0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, the Bruins spark up another head to head matchup with Stanford tonight at Pauley Pavilion. And to be honest, the Bruins, in a lot of ways, are trying to emulate the Cardinal. I'll tell you exactly what I mean. Don't worry over the course of this show. But first, let's welcome you in to the program. This is Locked On Bruins. I'm Brian Fenley. Wherever you digest your podcast, be sure, if you haven't done this yet, click that subscribe button so that it comes right to you every time I upload an episode, give you the latest in the Bruin-Westwood happenings, and then you can always rate the show, tell me what you think, give me your feedback, what you like, what you don't like, and all that jazz. All right, so what to expect on this episode? A ton to get to, and I do want to look at how UCLA and Stanford stack up. I think that's very important as we get ready for their tip-off tonight at 7 o'clock Pacific. With that said, I will also bring to you my three keys to the game. These are three focuses that I believe that UCLA must be able to pull off. If they want to win. And then I will summarize some of the comments that Bruin legend Tracy Murray had about the state of the team when he and I spoke on the Bruin Insider Show with Nick Cope yesterday. And to be honest with you, there are, are some guys you might be wondering on this roster, why aren't they playing more? And Tracy Murray will give us some answers as to why that could be the case. But to begin here, I want to bring in a real-life example. And, you know, whatever career you're involved in or or whatever industry you're in, you know, there are always people that are more advanced than, than, than you or me. I mean, it's just the way life is. And when you see that, when people are a little bit more ahead in terms of where they are in their career, you know, there are a lot of ways that you can react to that, right? I mean, you could be you can be jealous, and I, I certainly think that that's a a natural inclination. Not sure how helpful that is, or that it makes you feel good. But you know, I think a lot of us can attest to that being a, a normal reaction. Or you know, you can look at it a different way. You can say, "Hey, what can I learn from this person? What have they done to get to where they are that I am lacking?" that I need to improve on so that I can get to their position and look at it more of a you know proactive approach and say, hey, instead of having a pity party over here about why I can't get there, let's you know get to work and try to figure out what's going on. And so how this applies to UCLA is, is that a lot of what they're trying to do, becoming that maven on defense to becoming that high-energy team that shuts down opponents, a lot of what they're trying to accomplish is already being accomplished by Stanford. So you're looking at a team that in Stanford, if you're Mick and that look, you're, you and your own team are trying to do stuff and then you see your opponent and they're a lot further along in the process with a lot of the concepts that you're trying to lay down. And it starts. With defense, right? I think that is the identity of this team, and how often have we seen this? I feel like you know I'm very redundant, and I I don't want to be, but you know, over and over again, there are these mental lapses that come around defensively, and and too many times you get defensive breakdowns, and it's just. It never seems to be a complete effort defensively. And you get spurts of four or five minutes of like sound defense, harassing defense. And you're like, wow, like these guys have it, but they can never put it all together. And Stanford can. You know, they are, if you look at some of their stats, they are the number one defense in the Pac 12. And most evident and I was looking at this number I'm like wow is that they lead the Pac-12 in fewest points allowed per game so they are only giving up 58 points per game they clog up the paint, and we'll talk more about what their offense does in just a moment but on top of that to add another stat to the fold to showcase their prowess on defense to be honest with you they have done a great job of closing out shooters from the three-point line. And they are at the top of the conference in limiting opponent three-point field percentage, right around 30%. Now, it's not like the Bruins are making it at a high clip anyway. And to be honest with you, because they have extended the three-point line back a little bit this year, everyone across the board nationally – has seen their numbers dip a little bit, but even more for UCLA, it's just they don't have a substantial number of capable three-point shooters. And Mick Cronin, when he was speaking to the media yesterday, he was asked about like what qualifies as a three-point shooter. Like, what do they have to do? He said, "Here, he gave he gave he gave everybody example. He's like, when we do two-minute shooting drills at a standstill position from from three-point line." If you can't hit 30 threes in a two-minute span, then you can't be a capable or go-to three-point shooter. So if you can't consistently knock down those threes in that kind of time span, he's like, you're probably best suited for playing inside the three-point line as far as your offense is concerned. So, you know, we bring up guys like David Singleton and, and why they're not playing as much. And I'm going to get to that because Tracy Murray spoke about his performance in Singleton and, and other guys into why they're not getting into the game as much as a lot of us kind of projected before this season. Now, as far as keeping with the mantra and how the Cardinal are more advanced, and, and UCLA is looking at them sort of like an example. Guard play, look. I mean, the the Bruins have young guard play. I mean, Tiger Campbell is leading this offense. He was out all of last year with that ACL injury, and as a redshirt freshman now, he is the guy. He is the facilitator, the quarterback of this offense, and you know he has shown spurts where. He can be, you know, one to be relied upon on the offensive end. He, he, can, he can knock down a three or two. But as it is pretty customary for a, a young player, there's not a lack, or there, excuse me, there is not a lot of stability at that position. Like any given night, you're not exactly sure what you're going to get from him as far as production. And I know Mick Cronin has talked about how it's a little bit harder. You know, I don't know. I don't don't want to call him undersized because I I feel like he has, you know, a good, you know, frame to to compete at this level. But, you know, people have looked at his size and say, ah, he's not tall enough to to do this or to do that. I'm not going to go that far. I I think that, you know, he can hang around and, and do his thing no matter what. Now, so he obviously you know, is having a freshman campaign that's looking like a freshman campaign. Well, for Stanford, one of the biggest storylines emanating from their program is their own freshman guard in Tyrell Terry. Now, this guy just this week was named the Pac-12 Men's Basketball Freshman of the Week. And for that notion that, oh, you know, you can't, have really good guard play if they're freshmen and, and Stanford dispels that I mean in, in a way the the Cardinal are getting great guard play out of their freshmen and, and Terry is second on the team in scoring he is their glue and he has been I mean we, we I think people around the program knew he was going to be special and I know Jared Hass, the head coach knew that and he, he had Talked about that in post game press conferences, but I think just his decision making in Terry has even impressed his coach in the small sample size that Terry has been with this team. He's not playing like a freshman, and so UCLA can look at that and say, "Wow, you know, this guy is a little bit more further along when it comes to freshman guards." And like I said, Terry can hit the three. He's a great distributor, and then you have a, the the third point here that I wanted to bring up about how UCLA, to be honest with you, wants to be more like Stanford. Now I am all in on UCLA, don't, so don't don't like knock me as someone that's like, well, Brian, why are you, you know, giving the Cardinals so many props? I'm just saying, if you want to be good. There are teams that are progressively better, and you have to look at them as, like, what can I learn from them? Now, that doesn't mean that UCLA can't win this game. You know, I, I'm not. I, I think that the Bruins are in a, in, a, in a position where they can win this game, and I'll tell you why, and you'll hear Tracy Murray's thoughts. I'll summarize his thoughts on why a little bit later in the program. So don't think that this is the a knock on them in, in terms of, like, just because they're not – more advanced in certain areas that they can't win this game. I I, I I turn I totally don't believe in that, but I do want to point out one other thing where Sanford has shown to be a a force, and that is in the interior and, and consistent scoring. Oscar de Silva he leads the team sixteen and a half points per game, and you know the the goal for the Cardinal is to begin with their offense in the interior, to feed the post early, see what they can get, attract the defense, and then work the ball movement around and get open shooters and knock those shots down. And you know, one of the things that they benefited from was Stanford is over the summer they got in a Italy trip, which is something that college basketball programs are allowed to do by the NCAA every couple years. They can go on this, these international trips during the summer to, you know, play a lot of games. It obviously helps with the team bonding experience. And, you know, by the usage of this trip, Stanford came into the season just a little bit more advanced than other teams because they had that extra time to get to know each other and really get things going on the defensive end, which is their forte and as the fan base would attest to and the head coach would admit the offense is still while they do have good things going is still a work in progress and i will finish off their their defense here by explaining that look they act or their offense i should say is that they lead the pack 12 in field goal percentage at 49% that's because they don't take a lot of low percentage shots And I'll explain how that plays into my keys to the game in just a moment.
1: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary.
2: The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Now I want to look back at what Tracy Murray had as far as his thoughts on the team. He was able to grade some of the players, and we had him on the show, on the Bruin Insider Show yesterday, which airs on the radio in Los Angeles. And I brought up the point to Tracy UCLA Bruin basketball legend, I was wondering, you know, as we're sifting through solutions and, you know, from our perspective trying to see, you know, what will create a better chemistry here, what about, in my, and I asked him this, I said, you know, why aren't so-and-so playing more? Could they be a spark plug? Could they help ignite and energize this team? And why aren't they getting as many minutes as – Perhaps some people would argue they deserve. And basically, Tracy told me he said, "Look, it all starts on defense. You know, if you aren't playing good defense, you're probably not going to get in the game." And he, I brought up the questions like, you know, David Singleton, like, why isn't he getting more action out there? And he said, according to Tracy, he said he's right now he's not getting it done on defense. And then to add to the mix, he's not hitting the shots. I asked Tracy about, you know, guys like he brought this up too, like Jules Bernard, and he's, you know, Jules can bring the defense. But then Tracy said the the thing that he's got to work on, Jules, the most is that he has to read what's in front of him more. When he's got the ball in his hands, he's got to realize that it's not in the team's best interest to take on two Take on three guys and force up a shot because if you draw in those defenders, become a better passer. Be more cognizant of finding the open man because you're going to get a higher percentage jump shot. And chances are those are going to fall. And so I, I take it even a step further. I said, you know, If you're going to take those kind of shots, then you might as well just consider those a turnover in the stat sheet. So then I brought up the point, you know, about Jake Kyman. You know, he had that great game against Washington and hasn't really done a whole lot since. I, I would have to say, and, and this is part of the reason I think Jake Kyman is not playing as much, and Tracy said this as well, is obviously on the defensive end, he's got to continue to show that he can stay in front of his man. And that he 's not going to be a liability there, and I think he 's coming around. I also think that what we saw when he went on that tear from three point territory against Washington that the Bruins showed signs of being you know a pretty stout ball movement of a team and, then, and that they could actually work the rock around, be patient and, and find the open man. The the one of the biggest knocks that Mick Cronin pointed out to his team on offense when he spoke to the media yesterday was that the the passing is just been, in his words, putrid, or to to sum up what he was thinking, it's putrid, and that the the stagnation that you're seeing is because there's just not a A will to find the open man, and you gotta go back to the Washington game. How they were able to set up Jake Kyman for that game-winning three-pointer shows that this team can become and develop into a, a credible, strong, you know, good passing team, but they haven't done that a lot since. And Jake Kahneman in so many times relies on, you know, driving and kick it out to him and sets his feet in fires. And unfortunately, the the passing and just the the wherewithal of knowing where he is on the court from his teammates hasn't been there. And he hasn't been able to get, you know, step in in rhythm threes where, you know, you draw the defense in. And then you take the shot where you've got some separation from your defender and you're able to put it down. I also asked Tracy about, you know, what are his prospects of a Bruin win against Stanford? And he said, Stanford is beatable. Says, yes, they play hard all the time. He said that Dejon Davis is that kid that's always been a Bruin killer. And coach has, has said that he is the the gold standard for defense and he's a lockdown defender and he's more of a a, what I've read he's more of a pass first guard so you know you have that to to consider you know good passing you talk about ways in which UCLA can learn from Stanford there's another guy when it comes to passing you know crisply and limiting the amount of turnovers while racking up on assists and then finally the last observation that Tracy had was the James Keith, who was Adam Keith's son, he's going to get some good minutes in this game because he has already, and he comes off the bench. He's physical. He's going to mix it up inside, do the the quote-unquote dirty work, and he's become a a force when it comes to shot blocking and rebounding. And so as you consider with him in the fold there in the interior – That brings up, well, what are the Bruins' keys to winning this game? One thing that it's going to come down to is how they do in the interior. I don't want to explain in depth just yet, but coming up, the three most pertinent, most critical elements of this game that UCLA must attend to if they want to break out of this little skid here and
1: Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary.
2: The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: So we've come to the point in the show where I'm going to lay out my keys to the game. Three things that the Bruins can do, if they do, will dictate the outcome of this game in UCLA's favor. And I'm going to start with what's going on in the post, in the middle for UCLA, as I tease that heading into this third segment. Oscar De Silva is a very versatile big. He leads the team in scoring, as I pointed out. He has really matured in a big way this year, and he could even come out and step step back and hit the three. So I think that if you are able to to make life miserable for him in the lane, and if you push him back out of the paint, and, and I know that you're going to probably have Jalen Hill and Cody Riley and the likes trying to, to body him up, but if you can kind of compromise his offensive proficiency you are going to be at a sizable advantage now while he hits the three over 30 percent for a big you know that's that's okay that's that's not bad I think if you're a Bruin fan you got to keep him out of the lane he has been a humongous growth spurt as far as his offense is concerned this year Oscar De Silva and once again, like UCLA got burned against USC when it comes to interior presence and getting out of physical hold and out-rebounded in that game, UCLA has to once again reassert themselves and show that they're not going to back down when it comes to playing really hard-nosed, just aggressive, tenacious defense in the key. My second point is you got to close out on their three-point shooters. We got burned big time against USC in that second half where we played pretty good defense for the first 15 to 20 seconds. Ball movement is all over the place, and and the Trojans are good at that. Our defense was getting all twisted and out of sorts, and that left open guys, spot-up shooters, knocking down... Threes late in the shot clock, absolutely demoralizing the the Bruins on the Trojans' path to winning that game. So UCLA has got to be able to contest three-point shots. Get a hand up in their faces. That is going to be key. No open looks. Humongous part of what I think will play into this game. The third point, Tiger Campbell once again, has got to show some growth, show some improvement. I want to see him become much more of a focal point of this offense. It would be great to see him knock down a couple threes. It would be great to see him come up with a couple defensive stops. But he has got to make a big dent in the stat sheet tonight if UCLA is going to come through and win. He has got to grow up. And I know that as a freshman, you know, you basically, if you're a Bruin and you're a freshman and you're Tiger Campbell, you're asked to do so much with so little experience at the college level. But if he can find it within himself to really make a difference in this game and be a game changer, that would be tremendous. And as Tracy Murray said, this team in Stanford is beatable. They've only played 2 games outside of the Bay Area all season long and they're 14 and 2. So, they have not been tested on the road and that might be something that Stanford could cave in on. Like you just don't know how that aspect, that arena of things is going to affect them as well. So the Bruins have to take advantage of that and On those three topics I brought into the conversation, they have got to be able to execute. Hope you enjoy the game. Hopefully we come out of it with a Bruin win. And as you can expect, we'll have tons of analysis and observations, commentary, and opinion to follow the game for tomorrow's episode. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm Brian Fenley.